All you gotta do is call. <laughs> All you gotta do is call. <laughs> there you, there you, you gotta call. Packing bowls and freeing souls from America's heartland. You're listening to Bowl After Bowl with Lorian and Spencer. So when are we smoking some weed? I'm hammered. We have blunts here. I've never done a blunt. I'd do one. Spark one up. We sparked one up. Wow. I am really high. They had a great goddamn time. You were feeling that shit. It's good shit. Oh, yeah. It's always good shit. Always. And we're joining you at a weird early time. It's 1030 in the morning. When are we smoking some weed? Wake and bake. Waking and baking. This is a special edition, Bulls with Buds. It will be episode 104 of Bull After Bull. I'm Sir Spencer Wolf, Kansas City. I'm Dame DeLorean with Wolf Cub John. And joining us, our bud, Abel Kirby. Yo! Yo, yo, yo. Welcome, welcome Woo. to the Bull, yeah. sir. A little bit. A little bit Good different, to be here. Uh, a little bit different time, a little bit different place. Good having you here. Thanks for coming yeah. out and uh, hanging. I like the uh, the jam here. I like the music. Got a nice little music going. Kind of pumping. Yeah, high energy. Yeah. Anything high is good in the bowl. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks for coming along. I know that uh, your gut reaction was like, yeah, maybe not, because uh, in your words, you, uh, what, you've never smoked weed, right? You no, don't. No. You don't and never have. And you were nope. like, well, that makes me a poor candidate for bowls with butts. But we say <laughs> nay. Yeah, you well, you said, oh, well, it'll be more of a personal interview. And then I said, I hate personal yeah. interviews. Then you were like, well, then I'm <laughs> definitely out. Uh, and so then I uh, sent you the proper bribe of Satoshi's. Oh. And then you're, uh, yep, yep, yep. you're like, all right, fine. Perfect. Yep. Fine. So I am, uh, I am burning uh, something. Oh? Yeah, which is a uh, Yankee candle, <laughs> a clean, clean cotton scent. Oh, which very uh, nice. I'm trying to decide if it really smells like cotton or not. It's very slippery and very hot. Very hot. Yeah, don't get I've too never, close. I've, I've never burnt fresh linen, but I don't think that's what it smells uh, like no. when you do. <laughs> Let's hope not. Yeah. Uh, a little smoked linen. Uh, yeah, you can get that if you get going fast enough. Right. <laughs> well, I was saying just before the show, I love doing the bulls with buds, and we need to do them more often uh, because then I get to use my alternate... Uh, Jame Dennifer intro, where she does the uh, packing bowls and freeing souls. Because <laughs> I, when I, I had a couple of things of copy for her to read for the intros that we wrote, and then I was like, uh, maybe try one that's like a sexy voice take and one that's like <laughs> a stony voice take, you know. And so the one that we usually use, the... You're listening to the only podcast in the universe where clothing is optional, but pot is not. That was like her sexy voice read. And then this, uh, the one that we use for the Bulls with Buds is the stony voice, which you can kind of... Packing bowls and freeing souls from America's heartland. (laughs) It's just, uh, it's subtle, but once you listen to it with that in mind, it's definitely obvious. (laughs) Oh, I love the intros, uh, whatever you play them. They're those things that get stuck in your head, and I don't know yeah. if you intended for that to happen, but uh, I find myself reciting podcast jingles to myself, including some of yours. 
I think uh, yeah when the uh, weirdest times. You know, we went down to Texas and met Fletcher in person. Uh, looking for a soul to steal. Yeah, no doubt. Except <laughs> it was Texas, so you uh, well, you can't steal it when uh, it's given away. But <clears throat> the funny thing about it, it's, it sounds so stupid and nerdy, but like. A great deal of our time together was just spent like bouncing soundboard memes off of each other, but just like <laughs> talking that way, you know? It was ridiculous. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Um, and yeah, that's how I am too. Like, just in my normal life, everything is either like I could transition it into like a song that reminds me of a song or oh, a yeah. podcast jingle. Uh, I, I can relate. I think that's kind of. Uh, that's what's fun for me about No Agenda. That's what kind of like kept me there rather than bouncing around to all the different stuff is like those repeat memes and the things where like sometimes when the boys are talking and something comes up, you just know a jingle is coming. You're already thinking oh, yeah. it and then they play it. It's like, uh, that's why I don't really get wrapped up in it. Some people like worry too much about, oh, people won't understand what this means. People won't know what, uh, you know, this refers to. This is an obscure reference. And I'm like, dude, if you're curating a core audience, like the inside joke stuff, as long as you repeat it in like 40% or more of your episodes, like <laughs> as long as you never shut up about it, people will just understand it over time, you know? And then yeah. like, and some people will write in and ask and then you can re-explain stuff. But I don't think, I think inside jokes are great. I think that the re- repetitive memes and the jingle things are great because, uh, mm. It gets people. It keeps people wanting to know more. You know. Yeah. Where did you... it come from? Cotton Eye Joe is all I think of when I hear that one. Is <laughs> <laughs> gonna get the this the complimentary clip. Where did it come from? Where did it go? <laughs> so yeah, the Bulls with Blood stuff. We just wanted to hang with some of our uh, friends online and offline, and kind of. Mm-hmm. Do a little sort of uh, laid back f- f- interview format. Um, and we have, we have, when we started, talked heavily about weed. In fact, I had, I had a list of weed related questions that I would run through. Um, but that kind of got tired and I, we wanted to kind of start a break out of that and expand not only into other topics to talk about, but also have other people with different perspectives that weren't necessarily like, you know, your your typical everyday stoner, Hmm. uh, which made you the perfect candidate and by the way you uh can find this episode and all the other interviews at bullswithbuds.com that'll send you to the place that just shows you the bulls with buds interviews um so yeah i figured that we had between you and i we've been working on this project uh ablecraft and mm-hmm. we'd have a lot to talk about there because i've mentioned that on bull after bull a couple times briefly but we haven't really got into the meat and potatoes of it Oh yeah, and then I figured you and Lorian, both coming up New Englanders, might have <laughs> yeah. A, oh yeah, a lot to talk about uh, in terms of New England. We're we're about to head out there pretty soon, in like oh two or three weeks. So yeah, we're gonna have to, you know, ha- <laughs> how's the slavery out there these days? <laughs> I'm curious. Oh, uh, it's uh, up in New England. I'm not sure. I haven't been up there in a little while now. Um, I'm actually in uh, Maryland. Sure. These days. But uh, it's kind of on the way. If you take uh, Highway 70, you'll yeah. go right by me. Uh, it's one day. It's kind of a eight-hour drive from here up to, uh, you know, northern Massachusetts, southern New Hampshire. We were um, 
we always, you know, now that we're acquiring weird internet friends all over the place, um, we try when we do these longer trips to um, swing by or meet up. So yeah, absolutely. I think that um, if we can make a time to holler at you, either on the way there or on the way back, that would be really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we talked about uh, doing the same thing with uh, Farmer Todd, who's Pennsylvania way. So I think yeah. that we would have to do one of you on the way there and one of you on the way back, both time and travel uh, reasons. But mm. we'll talk more details oh. offline about yeah, it. Yeah, we'll get the deets. No, I'm up for that. Uh, cool. Absolutely. We'll pick a time. I'll, I'll pick some place that we can go uh, nearby that's good. I'll find out. I'll make a plan. Don't worry about it. All right. That's <laughs> awesome. Um, I wanted to start, I guess, by talking a little bit about the the Able Craft thing uh, that oh, we've yeah. got going on. Well, but actually, before that, I should back up because we've started these interviews off with kind of like how we met each other when we first came on one another's radar. And for me, um, it was the it was Rare Encounter that I really sort of uh, discovered your work and then realized how much I had already heard of you on No Agenda from, you know, <laughs> you making mixes and uh, jingles and such. Yeah. There was a, a time when John kept calling me Apple Kirby on uh, <laughs> when I would send stuff into the show. <laughs> Call me Apple Kirby. This guy, Apple Kirby, sent me a note. I, th- I think you it's know. that old, uh, that age-old trope of uh, those who cannot read write. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I I um glad you found me on Rare Encounter. I was I guess it's raised my profile a lot in the the community because before that I was doing a bunch of other random stuff, but no one cared who I was or what I was doing. Um uh, I set up a new webpage uh, ablekirby.com. It's an old webpage with some new stuff on it and a little put a little projects rundown of a bunch of random stuff I've been working on for a while and things I was part of. Looking back, yeah, 2014, 2013. Apparently, I've been a podcaster from 20 since 2013 in one way or another. But oh, cool! No, Rare Encounter is the uh, the thing that I'm known for now. So it's just pretty cool. And um, that was Cold Acid and I. Uh, we go way back, uh, more than a decade. I don't know. I don't know how long. Wow. We knew each other on IRC for a long time, and then some years ago we met up uh, in Los Angeles at a anime convention and. Kind of went separate ways, and then I I ended up talking to him on uh, No Agenda Social and in the chat room. I think it was actually in the, it was either in the Hog Story or Bowl After Bowl chat. I can't remember which one. Interesting. Yeah, and the bottom line was one day I we were talking about hey let's just do a podcast, and we didn't know what it was going to be about or anything. We, we kind of knew it was going to be about our interests, sure, sci-fi and anime. So we knew that much, but when. Uh, he said, yeah, we just picked a time, and we picked Wednesday because that was a cool time for both of us. We picked a 7 Eastern because that was a good time for both of us, and we just stuck with it uh, ever since. So That's like the, the one thing that the podcast needs is just uh, that, all right, it's at this time, it's every week, and we're just going to do it. And like, yeah. we can worry about the content and what's going to be later. That's what I love about <laughs> – yeah. uh, and it seems to be kind of like a success formula for a lot of these shows in the in the No Agenda universe, at least. You know, is um, like behind the schemes. You know, I know that Boobs was kind of having trouble getting his original ho- co-hosts to 
sit down with him. And then yep. when he picked up Lavish and picked that slot, you know, and just decided on the slot, then everything else just kind of has a foundation upon which to grow and evolve. You know, you can worry about all the other crap later. Yeah. The the first time I heard of uh, Bowl After Bowl was on the No Agenda show. I think it was either notes being read or commentary about it, and I just remember hearing Bowl After Bowl, Bowl After Bowl, and it had a... I remember hearing a, a clip of it. It was a you know bowling alley, and for a while I thought it was just a bowling show. Yeah. I, <laughs> I really thought it was. We have that. Uh, a lot of people think that. I've, I've even had comments, like, of people really disappointed because they were like, I wanted it to be a bowling <laughs> podcast, but it's just some stupid stoners. <laughs> <laughs> no, I heard that. and uh... But for the bowling fans, I mean, there we go. I got a, I got a clip for the stoner fans, if you don't mind me playing it. Oh, please. Uh, here's one. All right, everybody. It's 4.30. School is finally over. Time to go home, load up that bong, and watch there you go. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, you did send me these two, which I don't uh, play often enough, but I do still have them on my board. You're doing drugs. You need to be punished. If you want to keep doing your marijuana, then you're going to have to show me your naked body. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, those are some good ones. No doubt. Yeah, the origin of Bowl After Bowl, not many people know this, but uh, it was over a decade ago. I was still in college, and I came up with this idea of my actual dream business, what I really actually want to do. If money was no object and laws were no object, and I could pick any sort of business to run, it would be a bowling alley that had a dispensary in it. It would be a bowling alley that had a pot bar in it, specifically. Oh boy. Where you could, you know, where you could just buy joints as, as though you're ordering a bottle of beer uh, or anything else you want to smoke. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you can, of course, go bowl and then there'd be a little arcade and a little diner and you know the whole obvious picks but yeah that was kind of the basic premise and it was gonna be called bowl after bowl and so after a few years of thinking this in my head i was like you know i really just have to squat on the name and at least own that name because i (laughs) thought you know it's such a good name and like memorable and like I mean, it's only three words, and two of the words are the same. You know, like, it's it's just, it's one of those earworm, headworm things. And so... Yeah, it's a great name. We decided to, because we were, like, heavy in the state activism scene, we were like, well, a podcast would be a great way. Because I bought the domain, like, probably at least a year or two before we started the podcast. And then we were like, well, let's just make it a podcast, and then we don't have to just sit on this domain that's not doing anything. I'm paying for a bit domain that isn't anything. Yeah. And so it's evolved now to here, and as far, as far as I know, there's still nowhere in a country you could legally pull off a concept like Bull After Bull, but I'm just kind of sitting back and waiting. I figure I'll be like a, a really old fogey before that could ever come to fruition anyway. <laughs> but maybe I could build it for for John to run someday. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, still, still the dream, though. That's what, it, you know, if I could do anything, I would do that. And, it, you know... It would have a studio, so we could still do this thing. Yeah. but uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah, you could podcast from the manager's uh, booth, which overlooks the alley. Yeah. Yeah. Bull after bull live from bull after bull. Come on down. That's the like one of the Like in the supermarkets where they have all the managers sit up uh, on top looking down at you. Yeah, there you go. 
No, I would I would uh, make glass floors and broadcast from the basement. That's just more in line with my philosophy. Oh, yeah, boy. we could take it very meta. Bowl after bowl till he's sick. <laughs> well, you mentioned uh, men- uh, meeting cold acid uh, in L.A. at an anime convention, and the oh. only other person I really know who's done anime conventions is sitting up right here to my left. <laughs> ah, Lorian. Yeah, it's great yeah. to talk to you, by the way. Uh, yeah, you too. We've never really met before. No. Nice virtually meeting you. Yes. <laughs> Besides on the socials. Yeah, so. But yeah, I, I, my first anime convention was Anime Boston. Oh, yeah. In 2005. You ever find yourself at AB? Yeah, I've been at AB. Um, I'm trying to remember what year I went. It was a long time ago. It was back when I lived in New England, obviously. Um, but yeah, a- AB is great. You know, it's it's the only anime con I've been to where you just see people getting arrested all the time. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> now that's my kind of con. It's kind of wild. I mean, there's always something. I, mean, I guess that's Boston for you, but yeah, I remember the heavy uh, weapons check one year going on. It was like everything's a weapon. You can't bring it. It's like it's a prop. It's made out yeah. of styrofoam. <laughs> was it right at the? Oh, what's the name of the convention center? Is it the Heinz Convention the Center? The Heinz, yeah. Yeah. And I remember one year we called it uh, Line Con because like, oh, all yeah. we did the whole time was wait in lines. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of that was going around. I've talked to people who went to, they staffed Otacon is the convention around here in, uh, in uh, Maryland that everyone goes to. And they have, you know, this history that goes way backward. They used to be a small convention a long time ago. Over the years, they turned out to be one of the more popular cons in the uh, in the country, and then they one of the more popular cons in the world. Uh, I think the biggest one after them, the only one bigger in in the United States, at least some time ago. Last I looked, I think it was Anime Expo. Um, as far as anime cons go, I mean uh, the Comic Cons blow everything else out of the water in terms of people showing up for them, you know. But yeah, yeah, it's... I always wanted to go to Otacon, never made it. But I, I Larkin CL was there. And I was very excited about that. Oh, boy. All the little J-Rock bands I love. <laughs> yeah. I never listened to a lot of the music. I like some of the, you know, a couple of the artists I, I really liked. It was like Calafina I liked. And um, usually the artists, I would find them because they did an opening for an anime or something that I liked. And I go listen to more of their stuff after. Sure, yeah. You know, it's just... And so there's kind of one-hit wonders, and then you find out, oh, well, this is a band they just put together for the soundtrack, you know. Yeah. There's some of that going around, too. But, yeah, it's, as far as anime cons go, I've been to, I don't know, I've been to the New York one, I've been to Anime Boston, I've been to Los Angeles, I've been to uh, Anime Expo in L.A. Um, Non-desk con is the Colorado one. I used to go with that, with a friend to that one every uh, every year. But, you know, my my take on all of it is... Some of them are fan cons, and some of them are industry cons. The difference being that if you're going there and it's really highly geared to, there's a t- tons of uh, cosplay events and things like that, and you know, uh, meet and greets and things like that going on. It's um, it's not the same as Anime Expo where you'd go and have a. Um, it's it's like all the industry is there. I don't know. Mm. I'm not sp- speaking it very well. One of my problems is that I think I'm echoing, uh, and every time I say something, I hear it coming back. Oh, like, oh no. no. We can't <laughs> So that. I just have to keep stopping to oh, listen to the, uh, the ghost yelling at me. That, that makes me crazy. I'm sorry. Here, let me yeah. Try to... yeah, let's figure it out. Yeah. 
Yeah, my uh, knowledge for anime cons is just limited to Anime Boston. So, but it was always a good time. Yeah. Did you do like the anime club in high school or any of that? Yeah. Uh, cringeworthy stuff? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the most popular comment uh, I got everywhere I went from the club, anime Boston is, are your boobs real? And I was <laughs> like, yeah. And then can I poke them? It's like, yeah. oh, boy. Yes, you can. People were shocked. I made a lot the, of people's day. <laughs> there was a there was a dark underside to some of these anime cons back in the day that is gone now, and I wasn't there to see all of it. But I've heard the stories where the um, the anime cons were just ripe with casual encounters and uh, under the 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 story that I keep remembering was someone was talking about the early days of Otakon. Uh, and they said, yeah, so it was uh, it was in a convention or whatever, and the parents would drop their kids off, and they'd be like high school-age girls, dressed up as hentai characters, and the parents didn't know this, and they're walking around hooking up with people. They said, wait a minute, this is what goes on at Otakon? Uh, apparently in, I don't know, 2005 or something, maybe before that. Uh, there's just stories of that kind of... That kind of stuff was going on at, at these conventions. This is not so much anymore. Now everyone has a policy... Uh, what do they call it? Uh... You know, ask before you take a picture, and they everything's oh, really? about respect and mutual consent and everything. And, and back in the day, there was they had like problems with gropers and all kinds of weird, <laughs> crazy shit going on at these cons. Wild West of anime cons. Yeah, that's it. It was Wild West. There's like no <laughs> rules, and no one knows what's going on down here. So just do anything you want. Yeah, that was how I found 4chan. Some, oh boy, some guy like way down the line was taking my picture. I was dressed up as a. Bunny Girl Mikuru from uh, Haruhi Suzumiya. Yeah, there and, you go. Yeah, and so this guy was taking my picture, and then someone commented and was like, yeah, but she's 14. <laughs> no one believed him. I was. I was 14. It was a bad move. <laughs> it was. A ba I didn't think it out at all. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But yeah, opened my eyes to the World Wide <laughs> Web. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, 4chan has some crazy history. I, back then, it was... Um, well, you know the history of it, right? I don't know. Does anyone really know the history of 4chan? I, I, I actually don't. No, yeah. I, I see the articles about it that get it wrong, too. So maybe this is my chance to set everyone straight. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, tell us about the hacker 4chan. Just kidding. <laughs> this hacker named 4chan. <laughs> the hacker name is 4chan. Well, you have to start with uh, channel with 2chan. Or there are some other... People call it 2chan. But there's some Japanese websites out there that had... A bunch of different boards on it, and one of them had some random board. Um, I think it was just called B, but I don't think it was random or anything. It was just, I forget what the original title was. And there was a bunch of people on Something Awful, you know, Something Awful was big back then. And I suppose it, it got bigger later, but uh, it was one of those old websites I remember always being around. I never liked it, honestly. I wasn't on SA. I was on some other, you know, PHPBB uh, 2.0 forums that were uh, popping up after the, you know... It, that PHP bulletin board software anyone could just install and set up your own uh, little community. There are a bunch of those all over the place. I was on a couple of those back then. And, um, anyway, this guy, Chris Poole, uh, Moot, was, uh, he wasn't really on something awful. I think he, he had an IRC channel uh, called Raspberry Heaven. And Raspberry Heaven is a reference to, uh, do you know, Lorian, the, the song that it was? It was uh, the Azamanga Dayo uh, ending song. Oh, okay. And they used to chit-chat about, uh, about uh, you know, this 2chan thing. And at one point, 
um, downloaded the software and he set up a server. He lived in New York at the time and set up a server in his parents' basement and ran what would basically be 4chan. And they called it 4chan because it was, you know, well, 2chan was the original. So they're 4chan. They're, they're better. <laughs> and they had just a couple boards on there. Uh, this is like 2003 or four. I'm trying to remember what, what the damn time was. I remember hearing about 4chan like in 2004 or something like that. It was, you know, being passed around the link to it. People were complaining that it was just garbage. <laughs> but uh, they, actually, I remember in 2005, 4chan was, uh, Boot did a, an interview. And what's interesting about the interview, uh, he did it on a podcast called Otaku Generation. Uh, what's interesting on the, in the interview is first he went under a fake name. So it was, he went by Rob. Um, he was running the site. He was underage at the time, so I think when he started 4chan, he was just a teenager. And by 2005, he was still a minor. <laughs> He's running this show, and he he did this great interview where he was just talking about his motivation and the history and everything. And he talks about um, he he said, yeah, you know, I used to go out on the internet and look for porn, and I thought, you know, what if I just set up a server and trick people into sending me porn instead? That would <laughs> would that be easier? <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, there's a there's a lot of skipping a lot of things there you know and uh, eventually the uh, the site got infamous for a bunch of different scandals and they had you know Sarah Palin's emails got uh, got exposed because someone guessed her Yahoo password or reset her <laughs> Yahoo account nice. well that was 4chan they had the harassing phone calls you know uh, where they call up I can't even remember these guys names now the uh, they leave like angry voicemails on people's uh, uh, answering machines and they get on local news the hacker known as 4chan kind of shit right <laughs> i'm trying to i'm trying to make sure i don't miss anything important they messed with football that was one of those uh there's some some thread someone had about you know if you were going to do a, uh, a terrorist attack what what would the best one be and someone did something about blowing up a football stadium the nfl <laughs> did a res they, they arrested the guy and the nfl oh, had a press conference on. over it they said don't mess with football you know you can't blow up football <laughs> but you know, 4chan is totally different. It's a different site now. It's completely ridiculous. There's, yeah. I Honestly, I, I just can't stand some of the stuff on there now. But back in the day, you know, B was a, especially if you were a teenager, B was a pretty fun board oh, because yeah. it had all this crazy stuff on it. You know, you go on and I remember some of the threads were like Coast to Coast AM listen threads where they Ooh. had every time Coast to Coast AM would come on in the middle of the night, there'd be a thread. They, they listen. Um, and then people would just post in the the comments. They post in the thread as we're listening to the interviews on the show. It was kind of like a community thing. They had their own radio shows, you know, proto podcasts and stuff. There's a prank call show they a guy used to do. It was um, Eric J from back in the day is what he went by. <laughs> he had a show he kept doing on 4chan. It was uh, 4chan radio. Um, Interesting. And they would do things. They were calling from Skype. You know, back when Skype, you could make phone calls for free. And he was just doing prank calls. <laughs> and, and but he was calling like um, I remember he was like calling convenience stores and yelling at the the guys uh, <laughs> with Indian accents. Oh, uh, he was doing stuff just like really juvenile stuff like that. They right. called a a woman and she said, "Oh, how come your area code it says it's all zeros?" And I just remember his because he's calling from Skype and that's how it spoofed up as and he goes. Yeah, actually, uh, the area code for all zeros is anywhere outside of the atmosphere, and we're calling from the International Space Station. Nice. <laughs> he, he did it really good, and he got her going for a little bit. You know, that's hilarious. That's awesome. Yeah, 
just I think just like stupid shit. You I think know? my just, one of my favorite B threads ever was the guy that stole a skull from the oh. catacombs and nobody believed him and then they were like oh no put your, <laughs> put penis, your penis in, in it. it and then he's like <laughs> uploaded like 14 15 different photos of him putting his penis in various holes of the skull that he stole oh, yeah. from the catacombs yeah there was that kind of stuff too which is it's the wild west it's another wild west kind of site you know yeah. It, yeah. and it paired well with the anime convention culture and anime culture itself has always been a little wild west cuz it's below board. Now it's a little more mainstream, you know. Yeah. You see it in public. You see people. I saw a guy wearing, um, I think it was a One Piece t-shirt just the other day hanging. It's just on the street, you know. So you see it out more than you ever did before. But, you know, as a subculture, it was just kind of just crazy, you know. Yeah, definitely. But. I need to, I wonder. I haven't been to an anime con in so long, and so I just wonder how it's going to compare when I go back, but we just missed one in Kansas, NakaCon. NakaCon? I don't know about NakaCon. No, it looks pretty small, um, but I'm going to drag Sir Spencer along to it. See, the only, one I've, year, probably. the only one I've been to, we weren't really at, but it was when we were at the Libertarian Convention in Orlando, there was one oh, going yeah. on. <laughs> so I kind of got to see at least, you know, walk through the Cosplay. crowd outside of one, and, and there was a lot of cosplayers yeah excited fans and i was like look it's dante look it's this guy yeah yeah <laughs> Fan well that's fun <laughs> that's fun when you can walk through the the floor and you start seeing obscure characters you thought no one else knew about oh yeah someone's dressed up as some weird thing what uh um, what what all characters have you done morian me yeah oh i uh, not that much i did <laughs> i did ponyo uh oh, yeah? which no one knew but i just did that because i'm so short Really? Um, yeah, people said I looked like a principal. Mm, that's kind of a lame one. Um, mm. I did a lot of Lolita dresses that I like put together between me and my great grandma. <laughs> and then uh, it's like black black lace stuff. Yeah, yeah, Gothic yeah, Lolita. I did one that was sort of like an Alice in Wonderland Lolita. Um, and then the Bunny Mikuru, uh, Misa Amane from Death Note. Yeah. Which now that's like pretty. Everyone knows Death Note. You yeah. can buy it at Hot Topic. Um, oh yeah. What else? That for cons, I think that might be it. You know, I started going um, just because I was trying to buy merchandise from my favorite band during Gray. <laughs> uh, the you know the J Rock section of the anime cons has always been kind of small, at least when I was going. But you know, I'd get excited when I'd see a during Gray cosplayer. There are a few there. <laughs> Um, I don't know. It's a fun. I don't know. I'm just gonna end up restating everything I already said. It's a. I'm glad I was a part of that stuff back in the day. It's yeah, me too. The way, the way it's changing now. It's the, that it's getting more mainstream. I don't want to sound like oh, well, it's popular now. We don't like it anymore because I do. But it's mm, it's different. You know, it's a different flavor. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. But at the same time, now I have three kids and like. They're into, well, my four-year-old is, like, super into Sailor Moon. And I'm just like, mm, okay, well. <laughs> so she wants to dress up like Sailor Moon. And my two-year-old's like, I want to be Sailor Mercury. And I'm like, well, okay, I guess I could dress you guys up for a con. Yeah. And with the little kids, it's like, okay, nothing wild going down today, all right? <laughs> yeah. Everyone well, that, keep things calm. <laughs> that's, that's good because the cons are basically safe now. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, it, it's kind of a bummer, though. <laughs> yeah, it's... 
it was fun being, I don't know. I kind of liked people just randomly running up to me and like squeeing and picking me up and spinning me around. I'm like, whoa, being well, attacked see, by strangers. You ever see the ones who walk around with the big paddle, the Yahweh paddle? Oh, yeah. And they, they had to ban these things because people would walk around with this big paddle that says Yahweh on it. And they'd spank people with them. Yeah, they would. <laughs> and they were spanking people with just randomly. They'd like run up and assault someone by hitting their ass with this paddle. <laughs> it's like a boat paddle, you know, like a big rowboat thing. Yeah, big wooden <laughs> oar. People were getting hurt. So oh. they had. That's the. Uh, what is what is Yahweh? What is uh, how would you describe it? Gay hente. Yeah, that's gay porn. Gay porn. Yeah. <laughs> The first time like, I was ever exposed to Yahweh was that uh, when South Park did South Park, it yeah. with uh, Tweek oh, and Craig. <laughs> they made Tweek and Craig like the Yahweh guys. I'm yeah, I'm definitely a peripheral. Uh, um, I don't know participant. But, uh, yeah, like the hotel room parties and stuff was such a huge part of the culture, oh, yeah. man. And there'd be like at Anime Boston, there were the two hotels set up across the street from each other, so they would have window parties too. You know, you like flash your boobs or like hold up a sign that's like, show me your boobs or whatever. Like, let's do a dance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was so fun. Put the boobs back in cons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what's making a comeback, though, is Yik Yak. Remember the app Yik Yak? Mm-mm. Nope. Oh, no. This no. was a terrible app. This was banned <laughs> in schools. Um, it's a more recent one. It doesn't go way back. You know, it's an app. So how far, how old could it be? But it was a, you have your GPS location and you post a message and only people nearby can see it is the way it worked. Oh. Mm. And so you could go to, what would happen is people would go in into a school or in one wing of a school and they post something. And then everyone else in the wing of the school who had Yik Yak would just see it kind of posted like it was scribbled on a wall, you know. Gotcha. Um, and so kids were getting bullied by it because it was pseudo-anonymous. And so they banned it in a bunch of places. They had to, they, they had to backlist certain locations i think is the way they did it so hmm. schools would n- you'd no longer be able to post if you were on the uh, the school ground with your gps you know but i had this installed just for fun you know i was seeing what people would post i was walking around uh convention uh, anime con with it one year um and it was just gross i mean it was um just like airdropping was- everyone your dick basically <laughs> It was, yeah, it's uh, for a good time, come up to room 207, you know, and it's <laughs> it's like, I don't know, it's like a Craigslist post or something, you know, yeah. and so this, this company went uh, went under, but I heard they're bringing it back. I just saw it in the uh, some random article the other oh, day, yeah, Yik Yak wants to relaunch that. or something. I see that CNET article. Yik Yak, a toxic social network that shut down four <laughs> years ago, is somehow back. Yeah, it's... Yik Yak is back. <laughs> but that was... The graphic illustration is two, two uh, speech bubbles. Who is this? Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep. uh, nothing menacing there. <laughs> I consider it was, an invasion. Like some of the... You know, going to an anime con and sharing a hotel room with six guys was my experience. Uh, it... You know, it gets a little funky, and uh, you have to find out where you want to sleep and all that. So. See, that's another thing I was going to ask is, like, the general participants. Like, if you're at an anime con, you're, like, one of, like, maybe four or five people, right? You're either a cosplay girl or you're some kind of industry person or you're promoting 
or you're a guy taking pictures and concealing his boner, or you're what? <laughs> like what? What other types of people well, are there? There's What's a it? lot of really talented artists too, uh, like yeah. in artist alley selling their art and stuff, or for cosplay. And I would see like grandmothers with their granddaughters a lot doing cosplays from different things, and they would just be like these incredible costumes, incredible works of art. So I'd say there's also like the serious artists that go. Yeah. Gotcha. We, when I went to AX, what I was trying to say before, and I, I, the echo was stopping me from talking, Did we... was that AX is an industry con. And so when you go there, it's a lot of vendors. Um, it's like the, the people who run the anime companies. So th there's a whole fan side where there's people who just really like this particular show will do a panel where they all squee about you know this character arc or something like that. But then they had the panels where they had um, the professional um, localizers would talk about the localization process. Or you could meet the marketing department of different companies and yell at them for doing <laughs> what you thought was wrong. You know, and talk, yell at the C the CEOs would be at booths and stuff like that. And I was always there with basically friends who were either a developer or they were a writer or they were um, somehow so you know creative people who were either trying to sell their stuff or they were launching their stuff. So like one year, um, a friend of mine had a, he was like an online friend, you know, we were hanging out in IRC all the time. He used to do a video stream way back in the day. Um, but he was launching a visual novel that he, uh, that he was working on. And so he got a panel at the place and it was his big promotion event. So I was just hanging out with him and the dev team. And um, they did the thing where they had a room with, you know, seven guys inside it. In a in a hotel room uh, with uh, built for built for three people, <laughs> and so my experience with with that, it, I've always been on the um, like the industry side or the technical side, and whether it's music or whether it's like you go down Artist Alley and you talk to all the artists that you talk to online, you know, or people I know on Twitter, you know, back in the day. Yeah. You just go say, oh yeah, we follow each other on Twitter and we talk sometimes. Hey, yeah, it's nice to finally meet you. It, it was always fun doing stuff like that. Yeah. And voice actors, they would have... Oh, yeah, the voice actors are big. Yeah, that was a big one. Have some of the uh, English voice actors there. You could meet your favorite character, which yeah. is just like meeting someone uh, on the radio. You're like, oh, that's not at all what I pictured you look like. Yep. <laughs> Every time. Yep. But it's cool. Yeah. I'm trying to think of other groups there. I mean, there's a pervert group for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a pervy group that's just, you know. <laughs> well, it's... Creeping. The other thing that you'd want to go for is the 18-plus panels. Like Anime Boston, I know, had some 18-plus panels, and they had one of the, the funniest ones I ever went to, which was the bad anime panel at Anime Boston. I don't know if they were doing it when you were there, but when I was there, they, uh, they had it, and it was basically comedians doing shtick, and they'd show either cuts or edits of... Um, Bad anime. So they did like Garzy's Wing and they did Protectors of Universe and some of these famously bad like bullshit shows. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and they just riff on it. Nice. And freeze frame like they had Garzy's Wing. There's a disgusting frame where there's like there's a fairy a girl who's flying around like a Tinkerbell kind of character, but she's kind of gross. And the guy's like, I can't start a fire. And she goes, oh, use the wax on my wings. And so it's like this, the close-up shot, I think, is he's like rubbing a stick on the, the thing between her wings to scoop the goop out. <laughs> and they, you know, they freeze frame. It's, yeah, this is happening. <laughs> it's like the grossest thing you can see. Oh, jeez. Oh, 
And that's great. Yep. That's fun. <laughs> yeah, the panels were a lot of fun. And then I remember they would do that big show on like Saturday night with the cosplay contest and people would make little skits to music and stuff. <laughs> yeah, those are fun. Yeah, the anime fan videos. Good times, good times. Yeah. So what other stuff in uh, New England you like to do uh, is... I know you've been to Canopy Lake Park because you mentioned that on the show. <laughs> yeah, I dragged Sir Spencer there too. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of but, the local one. Uh, well, when one of your early appearances on Hog Story triggered me for all this nostalgia of New Hampshire. Really? Like, yeah, you were talking about Clark's Trading Post, and <laughs> oh, I've tried to explain it to Spence so many times. <laughs> I only went there once, and I was pretty young. And the Wolfman scared the shit out of me, okay? <laughs> like, I was traumatized. Yeah. I just remember he was throwing bombs at the train yep. and yelling, and I was not having it. He's chasing you in his jalopy. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I've tried to, I showed Spence some videos on YouTube. He's just like, okay. It doesn't <laughs> capture the, uh, the thrill of it all. No, not at all. That and the oh. bear show. They always have a bear down there, too. Yeah. You see the bear. Yeah. Look at the bear stand on two legs. <laughs> <laughs> they had a... Uh, what else was down there? They had Storyland was further yeah. every, out of the way. Every summer, my great-grandparents would take me to Storyland and Santa's Village. So that's <laughs> oh like where my nostalgia lies. <laughs> oh. yeah. Now I'm just telling Spence, I'm like, how can we bring the kids... And then I was like checking on the mask ordinances. I'm like, are they gonna make them wear masks if we go? But no, yeah, I don't think it's gonna happen this year. It's one of those things where I'm not really sure if it's gonna be a sign on the door because like there are plenty of signs on the doors out here, but we just ignore them, you know. Mm -hmm. As you do. And, yeah. Uh... Well, their websites now just say like, oh, masks are optional for extra protection. Wear your mask. So I don't think there's any enforcement going on. I like options. It's supposed to be live free or die in there, isn't it? Like, yeah, uh, that's pretty extreme. Yeah, it's, you you think it would be, but there's a lot of people keep trying to, you know. I blame Massachusetts, so, just in general. It's <laughs> it's <laughs> being from New Hampshire. That's what yeah. we do up there. Uh, Makes sense. Massive uh, two shits. We, we get Massachusetts. Uh, they move across the border uh, for. Uh, for tax reasons and for because they you know or they they want to live in new hampshire and work in massachusetts and, and and so or and then the other thing is you get like mitt romney types you know what mitt romney did he was governor of massachusetts right mm -hmm. he ran for governor of new hampshire after oh and, geez. Uh, you know it's hard to run for a, a governor of a state you don't live in i mean that would start and you know what he said to that he's Oh yeah, I've got a, uh, I've got property in New Hampshire. We live up there uh, half a year. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, he has a lake house next to Bill Murray's or whatever. Right. <laughs> up at Winnipesaukee, he has a vacation home somewhere up there next to Mel Gibson's or whatever. Must be it, fucking nice. Yeah, it, that's not the same as living in this state. That means you live in the wealthiest enclave of the state. Right. You know, it's he's not in uh, Manchester and Nashua. It's just a mass mass hole. You know. Uh, now what about Fun Spot in Laconia? Have you ever been up the that way? Fun Spot? I think I've been to Fun Spot. I don't remember what it was like or supposed to be what like is, the though. world's largest arc classic arcade. Oh yeah. Um, they did a. Uh, if I you've ever to... seen King of Kong, Fistful of Quarters, that's the reason that we went because it's featured heavily in that documentary about the battle for the world record Donkey Kong score. Yeah, I I'm pretty sure I went there when I was a kid, but I just don't remember anything about it. 
Because all the arcades I went to as a kid, like I would go there or we go to on the boardwalk. I think it was the, like Hampton Beach. <laughs> you know, our, they had some arcades down there I remember going to. But in in the town I grew up in, in Pelham, they used to have a pinball shop that kind of opened and then they closed uh, after a couple of years. They couldn't keep it running. But I had this giant collection of pinball machines oh. that uh, I used to play pool with some friends down there. Uh, they had like a pizza shop next door so you could get a pizza and then go across and uh, and play pinball and pool and everything for cheap. But they shot a, uh, a movie in there once. Uh, it was a Neil Ciceraga, um feature. <laughs> you know, like this retro... Um, the guy has the quarter, you know, uh, he's the video game god, and then he has to go inside the game or something to, you know, it's this real hokey kind of <laughs> 80s movie. It's almost like an 80s uh, Disney movie kind of plot, you know, live action. Nice. Like a Tron kind of thing. Now, did you have some clips? Yeah, well, earlier we were talking about how we go back and forth with the uh, podcast ISOs and stuff. Oh, but, yeah? But sometimes these freaking jingles from my childhood will pop in these damn commercials sure and uh and so i i clipped them and it all started so- here do you boy. remember the hess truck the hess truck yeah they sound like gas stations the truck with the green hess <laughs> yeah. on the side okay yep. so every christmas <laughs> i'm like christmas starts coming around and i'm just like the hess truck's back just sing it to spence <laughs> And only this past year did I realize they just ripped my boyfriend's back. My boyfriend's back, or whatever that song is called. I was just like, yep. oh, how did I fall into this trap? I remember the, the Hess truck ads. Uh, and I just remember being sold at a, at a bunch of local gas stations. They just have them on display. You can buy the Hess truck. Yeah. I, I still don't know what the Hess truck is supposed to be. <laughs> I don't but either. Other than a, it's a... Like an 18-wheeler trailer, and it says Hess on the side, and it's painted green. It's green, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the I big know. deal is. And, man, every year they had a new one. Someone out there has got to have a hell of a Hess truck collection. Yeah. Um, and then this one, this is classic. When the sun is blazing and the summer gets hot, modern country's a very cool spot. Yeah, you hear yeah. that shit on the radio every day. So are we really just going to go through New England radio ads and make uh, references to them? Well, yeah, why this not? This be fun. Why not? Yeah, okay. Why not? Except for so, I just realized I forgot a really important one. Lori, <laughs> Lori. So I'm going to have to sing it. What? Who do you call when your windshield's busted? <laughs> Shoot. Now you, you put me on this spot. I'm not going to ah, remember. Really, you're going to put me on this spot. You call Giant Glass. 1-800-54-GIANT. <laughs> I don't remember that one. Ah, I know. I now one. I feel lame, but but do you remember what what you sit? Yeah, what you yeah. sit. That was the ski resort one. Yeah, yeah, that's the one I forgot to clip. <laughs> but I remember when uh, one of the last times we went up there, they had some like blueberry beer. They're like, yeah, watch you sit blueberry watch beer, sit. and I just kept singing the jingle. Spence had no idea what was going on. Something. Yeah, I was like, you'll never understand the big blue bug. Oh, big blue bug! A big blue bug. They don't. I, do I they remember have a jingle? seeing it more than hearing it. Yeah. Yeah, it's in Dumb and Dumber, right? Hmm. Uh, let's see. I got this one. I got this one. This is a long <laughs> one. Of it all. 
Oh, uh, Foxwoods. Foxwoods, yeah. <laughs> right away, nail it. Fingers and then spin the wheel round and round, round, and round we go. Life is good. This is where my uh, my great grandpa lost a lot of money. <laughs> Have a ball, yeah, let's live for the wonder. There you go. There's a second verse here. Oh, oh boy, Whoa. we're in for a treat. <laughs> a piece of heaven. You can have it all. Okay, it was worth there it for that go. ending. Meet me at Foxwoods. Oh, Meet me That's at Foxwoods. Fox you over and over and over. You can never get it out of your Seriously, head. Seriously, I know. Yeah. I know. I was like, you know, five singing the Foxwoods crap. Okay. <laughs> I got I to gotta put in some requests. Do you have the lotto line? No. <laughs> you know, okay, do you have Cumberland Farms? No, I only have one more, but oh, uh, Cumberland Farms. The stuff that keeps you going. Cumberland Farms. Come on, that was Perfect. a good one. Perfect. Cumbies. That was good. Cumbies. Gotta have my cumbies. cumbies. Pull in, get some cumbies, get that going again, yeah. Get my cumbies. My grandparents still just talk about cumbies. Or donkeys, of course. Donkeys or cumbies. Be there in like (laughs) 10 minutes. I gotta swing through cumbies first, kid. (laughs) Oh, cumbies coffee's just so good. (laughs) I gotta get my cumbies. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So bad. This is the last one I brought. Uh, Here it is. Quality Cumberland Price. That's nice. There you go. That's yeah. another one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you got Bernie and Phil's. Um, what else was there? Uh, how about, how, oh, come on. You're doing yourself a disservice. You didn't do Christmas tree shop. What's their jingle? Don't you just love a bargain? That was one, oh, wasn't it? Oh, don't you Christmas. just love a bargain? Hell yeah. <laughs> um, totally name brands that. at discount prices. Town Fair Tire. That was one. Okay. Uh, okay. You know, and Jim Sokolov. Jim Sokolov. Yeah. him in there. Because, come on. Jim Sokolov. Uh, uh, what was uh, what was his shtick? Um, if you're injured in an auto accident, blah blah blah. Yeah. <laughs> Call Jim Sokolov. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember his phone number. Me neither. But it was every other commercial, man. <clears throat> yeah. All the time. Oh boy. And then, so you did Bernie and Phil's, but you didn't do, do uh, Jordan's furniture. Oh, Jordan. Which they they never really had a jingle though, but they always had. Um, like the shtick, it's like, if the Red Sox get uh, hit by a bomb at the <laughs> seventh game of the World Series, then everything you buy is free! Yeah. <laughs> and they had the mom ride. The mom ride? Yeah. What was that? Well, it stands for something. Motion something or other. And it was oh, like... Oh, God, yeah. They had the... <laughs> that was stupid. That's like the... <laughs> It's like a D-box chair. You sit inside yeah. a furniture store and it vibrates <laughs> when you watch a, you watch a, a video movie. of a roller coaster or whatever. Yeah. And, and the, <laughs> hey, it was like 4D. They'd like splash you with water and stuff. Oh, God. <laughs> or then yeah. they, did, uh, they did the Polar Express one year and they had like the smell of hot chocolate wafting <laughs> in while you're this. on this chair rocking back and forth. <laughs> the smell of tom hanks on your face (laughs) no no thanks oh man yeah these people are sick oh man good times good times in new england good times great oldies i'm disappointed you didn't have the 
what was the lotto line? It was nine, seven, six, one, two, three, four. It's the lotto line. <laughs> you could call and uh, get the the wing numbers. Go for the numbers. Go for the numbers, man. Always call Frank uh, for the numbers. You got um. What are the other phone? That, I used to remember a bunch of these things. You had one eight hundred East West. All you gotta oh. do is call. That's a. That was one, huh? That was one. What is East uh, West though? All you gotta do is call. <laughs> you, gotta do is call. <laughs> you gotta call. <laughs> you gotta call. We're there man. when you need us. That was what it was. Oh yeah, one eight hundred East West. Yeah. There, <laughs> there it is. I don't is. know what the fuck they sold. You so what you call them and there. find out? Yeah. That's all you gotta do. I'm sure it was like a mortgage company or something. Uh, with a name like East West, it's got to be something like that. Yeah. Um, Ernie Bach Jr. Ernie Bach Jr. Jr. I remember the Come name. Come on down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, a bunch of stupid sh- Now that we've we've scared away the entire... Uh, we've alienated everyone. Yeah. Everyone's <laughs> like, what the fuck no, is this? No. Come on. There's going to be one person down the road listening to this, and they're like, yes. Yeah, we got I it. I totally remember this. If you, uh, yeah, if you remember phone numbers from the past, uh, or want to ask Abel Kirby a question, by the way, uh, that's easy to do. Just call 816-607-3663 and the play of Right, yeah, yeah. You can you can get to the voicemail line. We uh, will. We had to uh, put a jingle of the podcast back in your mind. That's right. Mm, Wipe out those yes. damn commercials. <laughs> Speaking of podcasts, I did uh, want to kind of unpack what the Abelcraft project and all that is yeah, we about. We never really talked about that, huh? Because yeah, I mean, we've mentioned it and we've plugged it here on the show, and we've said, "Hey, go over and listen." And some people have, but. Uh, we want to force upon you, if you don't want to go listen to it, basically what it's all about. <laughs> and uh, it started with this need for uh, sort of a decentralized way to publish music in a value-for-value value ecosystem, just like Podcasting 2.0 has already kind of built and established. We wanted uh, to... I want to I really get back on this one. Okay. It started with a disappointment. Okay. We, and it started with a disappointment with SoundCloud and a lot of the ways that these other hosting companies. Right. If you want to Bandcamp and the, here's the the thing that really pissed me off was I was talking to some music friends, uh, musicians, and they really pointed it out. I kind of already knew it, but someone else had told me this. They said, "Yeah, if you post your music online to any of these services, whether it's YouTube or whatever, um, they don't do anything for you. It's." They're happy to take your song and play it once for whoever you send the link to. You know, if you're trying to tell someone, hey, here's my stuff. It's online. Come listen to it. Um, here's how you search for it. Here's how you find it. The um, Those companies are glad to take that hit. And then immediately, once your song is done, switch you to whatever they're promoting that month. Uh, and so they'll play your song. And then the next thing they'll play is the rap artist, which is being pay is paying to get promoted on the platform. And it. It seemed to me like it was silly to have to use some of these platforms to to um, post your music and host your music. When if you wanted to, you should have a. There should be a way to just put an MP3 file on a server and people be able to find that. And when podcasting 2.0 came around, it was obvious. It wasn't just obvious to me. It's not like I came up with this idea or anything like that. A lot of people kind of independently thought the same thing as they said. Wait a minute. 
we could do music with this thing. Yeah. And so th I think that's what you were getting at is the value for value system seems like the, the, the answer to that disappointment, which is what I, what I really want to do is post my music online and have someone, you know, a friend or someone that I'm trying to show it, uh, oh, here's my, my song, or maybe someone could discover me or they hear one song that I play and discover uh, some of the other songs that I do. Sure. You know, what, how do you do that without SoundCloud or Bandcamp or Spotify or something in the background? It just seemed like, you know, podcast, the podcast infrastructure already does that, right? We have all these shows that are related and we reference each other. And yep. if you listen to bowl after bowl, you know, you, you're probably aware of at least a couple other podcasts out there, even if you don't always listen to them. You know? Right. Yep. And so anyway, that's the, the background, the, the actual idea uh, that you were getting to before I rudely interrupted you. No, not uh, at all. That's, that's is the perfect. It's the lightning payment system. Seems like a good way to sell music. And if you think about how a lot of bands distribute their music, they'll put it up on Bandcamp, and you'll have the whole album is there. If you hit the play button, it'll play through the whole thing. Or they'll post it on YouTube, and you hit the play button, it'll play through the whole thing. And they're getting fractions of a penny um, per play. I think the rate for Spotify was um, tiny fractions of a cent per stream. It was like a, a ten-thousandth of a dollar, I think is what it was, something like that. Jesus. Uh, per, per stream. Like, you, you get nothing. Yeah. Um, to the point, Bandcamp's a little better because you can actually sell the album. But the, right. they had the that space that girl famously uh, confronting the CEO and saying, you know, like one more penny per play isn't that much. And yeah. he was just basically like, you're not here to get paid. Like, you should be thanking us that people are listening to your shit, basically. Yeah. It's, and, you know, I don't care what the Spotify CEO says or does or anything. Right. It's, it's not interesting to me. What's interesting to me is. The idea that if I had a static web server where all I'm doing is hosting, I'd put some MP3 files in a uh, at some endpoint that w you can access them on the internet, and I have an XML file with RSS information that tells you who made these songs, you know, some of the album metadata that's with it, um, and it associates them all into an album. It's not quite a playlist, you know. It's uh, something a little more tailored. How come you couldn't just make an app that, just like podcast apps, you go and type in search and it loads up uh, whatever podcast you're looking for. You can usually find it. Why can't you do that with music? The same thing. So you can put in a band, and then I should be able to f connect myself to some server that has those MP3s on it and be able to just play them. And as I'm listening to it, if I, if I want to, I could boost uh, using Lightning Payments because that would be in the, in the XML data. It would have the information to route that payment. And if I'm listening, I can have sat streaming as they're streaming the music to me. I'm streaming the the payment back, and if you look at the the Satoshi, the value of one Satoshi um, in terms of U.S. dollars, just right now, I don't know what it is off the top of my head. But if you have those apps like um, like CurioCaster or PodFriend or any of these other podcasting tube or Fountain, the the minimum setting when you're streaming, I think it's it's either off or like you can stream like five sats a second or something like that. Even if you stream one sat a second, you're still blowing the pants off um, uh, Spotify, right? In terms of in terms of the money that you're making off from it. So, and if you think about it, the way that Spotify is making their money isn't. I don't know. It's it's. I'm not sure how Spotify is making their money. They're making it off subscriptions. You know, they're they're making it off the idea that they're going to be. Uh, 
connecting you to the content. They have these exclusive deals and everything. So that's, I don't know. It's kind of hard to compare ourselves to that because we're not a company that's going to have deals. We're not even a company, for God's sake. Right. We're just, the artist needs to be able to publish their stuff without being tied into a terms of service and getting a bad deal. And, and uh, you know, there has to be an alternative. And I, my hope is that for my own selfish reasons, uh, I can publish my music using this kind of thing. And that's what Ablecraft is about. It's getting that system figured out and put together. That's going to let me uh, do what I want to do. Well, as far as the evaluation question, uh, right now to get up to a penny, you'd have to do 22 sats. 22 sats gets you to a penny. Yeah, so if you do a song that's, say you stream one sat a, uh, I guess you, if you did one sat a minute, you'd still be making, because we're talking about Spotify per stream as fractions of a penny. Right. You, you think yep. about, you have to multiply out, oh, it's a three-minute song, so you're really getting three sats out of it, but, you know, it might yeah. be on par. I, at at minimum, I think it. you still break it. Because you're also being streamed an appreciating asset rather than a depreciating one. Yeah. So all that... All that said, uh, the the project itself is really about writing songs and uh, getting them made, produced, and uh, posted on the internet in a way that you can send value <laughs> that's compatible with podcasting 2.0. That's the real thing behind it. And uh, the dream eventually is to feed Bobcats the world over. Yeah, it's the, uh, the little piece of software that we're putting together to do this, which already works, actually. I've already done some testing with it. Um, it's not quite ready for prime time. It's just a static RSS feed generator. It's nothing special there. Um, but it puts in the podcast 2.0 tags. And it'll take your MP3 files. It'll suck in the uh, like the album and the artist data and everything and pre-populate it. And it does some some funny things, you know, some some things to make it easier for you. That's not revolutionary. I won't claim to be doing anything super special. But it's uh, my hope is that I can get this in the hands of artists who can just publish themselves. You know, it's, there's no reason to host yourself on a service that just doesn't care about you, you know, and right. will go out of its way to, uh, to promote someone else ahead of you. Even if you, uh, even if, you know, you're a member of their site. Yeah. That's the super annoying thing. It's like the discovery process constantly yanking you back to whatever the featured of the week is, you know, whether it's, whether it's within your listening taste or not, you know, They're so just when like, it came, thanks for the traffic. When it came to making some of this music, I went out and um, ended up reaching out to Sir Spencer. Uh, you, you were gracious enough to uh, to uh, join and uh, play drums for a lot of these things and go on a, a marvelous journey with me. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and, the journey uh, is still, um, still unfolding, but it's cool. I, I've had this attitude for the last couple years of doing this... Uh, you know, ever since we revived Bull After Bull, of just trying to be in a collaborative spirit and giving everyone a chance and saying yes as as often as I can, which is yeah. uh, so sometimes things fizzle out and sometimes uh, things keep rolling. But I think the project that we have going um, is what is my favorite one uh, collaboratively that started up because of all of that. Yeah, it's. Um, I think we got four songs that are gonna be ready really soon i don't know if we've decided uh if we're gonna release him in a chunk or wait till everything's done i i kind of want to we've got we've got to talk about the uh if we if we want to wait till we really have a whole album or we just want to chunk this stuff out as it comes out i i'm getting the 
the feeling that it might be better to just release it as we go. Do like a single <laughs> release, going, you know? little A-side, B-side uh, uh, situation maybe? Yeah, so two, two at a time and add them to the feed. Yeah, we could do that. It's the, the thing that I really appreciate about what you bring to the project is the, the extra motivation. You keep me on track. Sure. Even when I go off track. Uh, the uh, Having that second person there is actually dedicated at least uh, to the project. That's the, the main problem that I have with internet communication and internet uh, projects. Yeah. Over the years, I've been a part of a lot of them, and the biggest issue is just People say they're going to do something, and then they don't, they don't do it. It's hard when it's not top of mind. And I think you had the really brilliant idea of, hey, you know, we we get on clean feed and talk to each other every once in a great while. Let's just do it regularly and make it a podcast and put yeah. it out. Yes. And then that way, we're both like, oh, shit, I can't forget to do this podcast. You know, yes. As podcasters... Once you make that commitment of like, oh, well, we got to at least weekly talk to each other, if, if nothing else, even if we don't do anything else. And that's, I think, uh, somewhat a little bit of the art of bullshit, too, podcasters have, is we can sit down and we can be like, just in the act of trying to flex and say, oh, well, this is what I've done this past week, even if it's a little bit, just in the act of doing that actually builds motivation and is work it's like oh well we're gonna talk about it right now and that's actually a big part of the work that has to be done you know yeah um and then you'll yeah. send me off in directions and uh a lot of them are super helpful like uh you know find, <laughs> Some of them finding not. The, finding the song markers <laughs> sometimes like, it's oh. tell, telling you use this feature and uh, they like, use, we're, we're gonna, it doesn't sometimes work. it's like hey check out this plugin reinsert it ships with reaper <laughs> y- you'll have a great time with it and then it, i'll spend like four hours being like well maybe i should just go of- back to the stupid version i've been using <laughs> so yeah. i can actually get something recorded but yeah i mean it's a journey it's uh at reaper i i i i'm trying to think because i know i've at least heard and seen some of it before you uh, brought it to my attention, but I don't know why it was like very, there's a lot of friction for me starting Reaper and then like mm. even still like learning how, but every time I have a session with it, I'm getting a little bit more comfortable with it. I've been using this for more than a decade, that's for sure. Um, and I'm at the point where I've just hotkeys memorized, like the way that I record takes. Yeah. If if you were here in Maryland and you watched me record vocals on something, I think you'd, it, you wouldn't expect how fast I keep I turn these things around. Because what I'll do is I'll do a take, and then immediately after do another take, because I have the, all the hot key binds for the, uh, the regions and the roll the tape back and start again, I can do it with one hand behind my back. That's uh, awesome. And just getting that proficiency took a a decade but when i do it it's like click 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 you know so i i'll sing a phrase i'll mess up and it'll be like three button presses and then i it just bumps me right back and i i sing it again and i sing it again and i sing it again and trying to get everything right that's that's what i love that's my learning style when i'm best and when i thrive is to shadow somebody who's been doing it forever and knows what they're doing and then shadow them for i don't know period of time maybe like a week or something and then pick up like all the good habits, you know, and then I can self teach too, but it just takes so much longer and I can never really 
figure out the proficiency thing. Like I can make it work for me kind of, but uh, it's tough to really hit that proficiency. I would love to see you using Reaper in person. When we were down yeah. in Texas with Fletcher, um, we we were there for a weekend, so uh, we did hang out on Sunday and like listen to No Agenda Live together. And he was putting together the artwork and just watching his Photoshop process. Um, he's like pulling up these different uh, options and filters and stuff. And I'm just like, he's just doing it like it's second nature because it is. And I'm like, I, I'm, I've been using Photoshop since I was like 10 and I didn't know some of these options, yeah. you know? And I'm just like, he's just sitting there, click, 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 click. And I'm getting my mind blown. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> this is changing my life. Some of the stuff with photo editing and with sound editing, I didn't get for a long time because I didn't understand how it worked. And uh, that's apparently that's in, uh, important for me to understand how anything works before I could. Uh, before I know anything about it, I have to know everything about it. Right. It's like a crutch or something. So, like, when I was a kid, we would play um, a bunch of sports games. We would play, like, soccer and baseball and played basketball for one season and everything. And I'm a kid. I didn't understand all the uh, – I didn't understand what was going on. Like, I understood the rules, but I, I think it was the fact that there were the different kids on the other team. Like, who the hell are these kids? Where did they come from? <laughs> as I didn't have the overall, you know, image of, oh, I live in this town and there's schools in this town, but then there's other schools in other towns. And, you know, that kind of picture, I was homeschooled, so I didn't have that um, that whole picture in my head. So it was just kind of a mystery. Who are these kids? How come everyone seems, and they're just like, how come some of these people seem to know each other and and uh, even though they're on different teams and stuff, well, how do you, how do you, meet someone who's at a different school, you know, I just had this weird, um, <laughs> there's like a separation there. It, it was, it was like this cliff I couldn't get over. And the reason that I, that I had so much trouble with it wasn't because I didn't understand, oh yeah, people, you could have friends and the, you know, it, it was this, I had to understand this whole society behind of, of schools and like the big picture of, okay, there's a, a school district and there's a bunch of schools inside it or there's a you know it's it's so hard for me to explain but it's there was something that wasn't clicking yeah and with reaper and photo editing and, and sound editing there was a long time where i just didn't get it because i didn't understand the like the macro level thing of i don't know art production or audio production like i would listen to a song but i wouldn't really hear it the right way because i wasn't listening critically sure i don't know how to i feel like i'm just saying nonsense now but it how uh how long were you homeschooled like the whole um, way or yeah the whole way well i mean i i i think till i was 15 or something like that did you go did you go to primary high school or whatever they call it uh, public no, high school no i i actually finished the homeschool curriculum and they let you do that in new hampshire um i think when i was 15 or so and um i just had a job ah gotcha and i started working and then i i was working for a couple of years and then I went to uh, the community college first. And so I actually, I was at a job. I was at working at my job. I was actually working at a tech company um, doing electronic stuff for him. I said, yeah, I'm going to, I was tr I was 18 that year. And I said, yeah, I'm going to college. So I, I got to nice. resign. I'm not going to work here. And then after, um, within my first semester at college, because I had decided I didn't want to work and go to school at the same time to focus on the, the school. 
but before the first semester was out, I had another job <laughs> yeah, that was at a defense company, uh, which I, I cold called them. They had a, uh, some phone number for some guy. I didn't know who it was, but I heard they had, was, some professor wrote it on the whiteboard. He said, yeah, we had a, a call. They're looking for graduating seniors from here, but, uh, and you're freshmen, but <laughs> in your first semester, <laughs> yeah, just give if it a you're shot. feeling lucky, I don't have any seniors for them, but if you're feeling lucky, go ahead and call this number and see what happens. So I called nice. that number. And I got a I got a job in the uh, antenna test and measurement out of it. So fantastic! Been there for a long time. You only did five years of homeschooling. It was like the middle school gap. Oh yeah, between fourth and eighth grade. And I remember being like super nervous to go back because my homeschooling experience was, uh, let's say, very hands off. Didn't really do much. Just kind of like oh a gap. yeah, that was mine. We didn't. And I, if, I was like really nervous to go back to high school. I was like, oh, what what have I missed? Will I be able to get back into it? And then I, like, show up, and it was just such a disappointment. I was like, oh, this is still a waste of time like it was back then in uh, elementary school. <laughs> it's, like, yeah. fucking easy and uh, uh, mostly tedium. It, it was like that for me when I was going into um, college, and then I was taking classes after I, I, I got a two-year degree, and then I went off to... Uh, another school to work on the four-year degree and it it was depressing because yeah. i was in a class with and, and i've been working in technology for years uh before i even went to before i had any formal education you know uh and so i kind of knew my way around the lab and i kind of knew what i was doing and i had some perspective that a lot of the other students didn't have and at first it was a little weird it was kind of cool like people were asking me questions and i could really answer them but then it was just annoying because i was I'm trying to do something serious. I'm trying to study or whatever. And then I'm in a class with a bunch of 18 year olds and I'm at this point, you know, 22 or 23. It's like, I couldn't stand it at all. Yeah. It's, I hated, I hated formal education. I didn't finish the four year degree or anything after that. Just well, good for I you. I took a bunch of classes. Fuck that and shit. It was just, it sucked. I, I dropped out myself. Yeah. It's never, it's never worth the money. I got the, uh, I got the associate's degree and I got a bunch of the, uh, the technical classes done, but every time I went back, I went to, was it three different schools? I'm trying to remember which ones. I went to University of Massachusetts Lowell. I was in electrical engineering, electrical engineering there for a little while, doing part time. I was working doing part time classes and stuff. That was just a, it sucked. It was really depressing to be there. You could <laughs> tell the influence of the mob. Speaking of New England stuff, you know, oh, this yeah. is a place where Whitey Bulger's uh, brother used to run the place. You know Whitey Bulger, right, oh, Lorian? Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. So his brother was a state senator, if I remember right. Well, he was he's on the FBI's most wanted list, and, his, <laughs> and every once in a while the FBI would go up to, what was his name, Billy Bulger? They'd go up and, and say, yeah, did you, uh, did you see Whitey anytime? He says, no, I haven't talked to Whitey in uh, 10 years. <laughs> and they said, so we got your the phone records say that it uh, looks like he called you. He says, well, I don't know. It could have been anyone calling. <laughs> you know, it's... Yeah. He was being coy the whole time like he didn't know. And so, you know, it's a bunch anyway, of shady fucks. Everything about that school was annoying. They had they, that was one of the vaccination problems they had there was when you came in, they would first they demanded all your vaccine records, which is fine because I had my vaccine records. But it wasn't any of their business was part right. of the problem. Um, and I had that conversation with the school nurse back there and I, uh, because they when I was an incoming student, they made you go talk to her and they wanted to 
do a bunch of shady shit. Like they want to open up health insurance policies in your oh, name. Yeah. And the only way to get out of it is to go to this web page that someone mentioned to you once among the 200 other things they mentioned to you. Right. You're supposed to just remember the URL or whatever. And then click that you opted out. Otherwise, they're going to take a policy out in your name and bill you for it. Oh my it's like, God. what the hell is this? How do you no. do that? So I went, I, I mean, I was talking to the, the administrator there and solving this nightmare was, I, I basically told him I'm not going to pay and I'm not going to do anything. And eventually we worked out the fact that, oh, well, you know, we'll make an exception for you because you're only a part-time student and you're not living in a dorm. And it looks like uh, we only have to really get vax records if you're in a dorm. So, ah. but they, that's after fighting. They just throw everyone in the right. same pot and try and shake you down for everything you have. Then they make it their idea that you don't have to do it. Yeah, and then they, they make it their idea. Oh, look, uh... And then you go to the bursar's office, and it's like you fight tooth and nail. The teachers didn't care about you. It was absolutely atrocious. Meanwhile, the, uh, the two-year degree I got was great. <laughs> I learned Imagine more in the, the two-year school than I learned... It, at one point, I had to retake a physics class um, at uh, UMass Lowell. And it was just a college physics course. Um, I had already taken it twice before because in that short high school curriculum that I had, yeah. I already did all <laughs> I did everything in there already. Um, and then when I, so I did it in high school and then I went and they took, and for your information, my college curriculum, my high school curriculum was my dad's college physics textbook. <laughs> and then I went to take the class at uh, the community college and they had the same textbook, but it was a newer edition. <laughs> And I went through, I got an A in that class, and then I went to UMass Lowell, and they said, well, we don't want you, we don't want to transfer these credits, and I think they gave an excuse, it was, it was the most bullshit excuse, it was like, well, we want you to take a, a calculus-based physics class, Jeez. which was dubious, because the one that I took was, well, according to their transfer uh, audit, they said it wasn't calculus-based, but there was calculus in the class, and so I was taking... When I took it to the community college, this calculus, whatever. Anyway, they were made this whole big stink about how the, well, the we want to make sure you, do, it, it has to be calculus-based. It's not real physics if it's not calculus-based. It's like freshman stupid thing. I get into the damn class, and the first thing they say at the, the first lecture is they say, yeah, so we did some research, and we found out that students who take calculus-based physics for, or, for freshmen or uh, just kinematic physics for freshmen. It doesn't matter at all. They have the same results. So we've decided this is just a kinematics physics class. They changed the <laughs> curriculum. Oh. And Ooh, so there's my shaggy geez. dog story about just how screwed up it was. You can get straight answers. You get... Yeah. Everything's based on like some survey that they <laughs> paid some company to do. Or... It was, I, it was I would imagine bull. that like, It's all bull. A lot of the community colleges would be just better across the board just based on the fact that they're not up their own ass, you know, the self-importance that comes with a state university already just makes for a bad experience. Yeah. It's, cause it's just mired in political bullshit. Yeah. I can count the, the professors that I had at the community college were all experienced engineers who knew about engineering and, and they were concerned with getting people jobs when they got out. And they would teach you in class, here's how you're supposed to behave. Here's how the the laboratories at all the local uh, electronics companies you might work for, here's how they work, and here's what goes on inside. And uh, you got that talk on the side, the side channel behind the lecture, you know. 
Yeah. Here's how the industry really works. Here's what you're going to do if you want to succeed. Here's how you get a job. Here's how you, you know, here's what not to do. You know, the, you got that real world information. Then you go to the, uh, the supposedly higher tier school and the classes are worse. The lectures are dumb. The yeah. material is actually less complicated. That was the thing that I, I was disappointed with in two years at the um, two-year college. Their engineering program covered more material with more depth than the two years I was at the uh, the uh, U- UMass Lowell. That's sad. Jeez. It was just depressing. It was a waste of money. Just get less for more money. Yeah. Yep. yeah. That doesn't surprise me, though. Well, um, we, can ra- we have to wrap pretty soon, but I don't uh, want to yeah. let you get out of here without at least a couple of weed-related questions. Oh, sure. And... Uh, I'm sort of curious on like an uh, outside perspective on some of the things, but I would guess um, being around as long as you've been around, surely there's uh, been some sort of an exposure or offering or come across uh, when oh, it yeah. comes to weed. Uh, and, and I guess what's been your philosophy or how does, how does one uh, go that long without any kind of exposure? Is it just a Nancy Reagan? Uh, you just say no every time or? Is it um, a little deeper, or I just do never felt the need to smoke it, and I never did. It's not like I, I mean, I had a bunch of friends who did, uh, I had family who did, and it's always been around. I mean, I, I moved to Colorado in 2013. I saw more weed in New Hampshire than I did in Colorado. Wow! wow. It, and you know, just out on camping trips and stuff, as a lot of people liked it out there. I just never partook. Interesting, and. Um... Even in Baltimore, even in this area, like it's it's around. Like uh, I get offered, I got I got offered a joint the other day outside a bar, just hanging out. Around. No, no I'll thanks, pass. man. No thanks. Um, now other drugs. I guess if you could pick a drug, what would be your drug of choice? And I'm talking caffeine. I'm talking uh, alcohol. Uh, or maybe even a specific version of alcohol. Like, uh, you know, some guys are just like, I like a cold whiskey on a hot day. What would be your drug of choice? My drug of choice? Um, it'd definitely be in the either the alcohol or nicotine kind of uh, category there. Um, of choice, I'd probably go with, uh, with alcohol. And it'd probably be, I mean, I, the thing that I really like is I like Budweiser. Okay. I drink a. I, this is my my All ideal uh, Super Bowl. My ideal Super Bowl party is I'm drinking cold Budweiser and we're doing the shots of VO. Okay. Seagram's VO uh, every time our team <laughs> scores. Nice. And uh, cheering for the home team. Uh, what do you, what do you smoke? We, you mentioned nicotine. Um, I've been on and off. Are uh, you are you more cigarettes. of a patch guy? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> um. Smoking cigarettes, you know, in New Hampshire, and then I, Colorado, and kind of gave it up for a little bit. And then with COVID, you know, there's so much stuff going on. I picked it up again, and then I tried to kick it again. And so I'm somewhere between. Uh, I think I made a joke when I was on. I was talking to Dean Reiner, and I said, "Yeah, I quit smoking like four times this weekend." No, oh, nice. <laughs> it's like, oh god, it's no, just you, so hard to kick, you know. I get. I've never related to that. Um, I've smoked on and off, and. I don't know, I guess you could say I'm currently smoking, although my current smoking, my, like, literal up-to-the-minute smoking experiences, last night I went to go get my cigarettes out of my vest, and uh, 
at some point the top had come off of my freaking top of the box. Mm-hmm. And so all the cigarettes had spilled out and were broken in half except for one. And so I smoked the one that was still <laughs> uh, intact and then threw the rest in the trash. And that's where I am with smoke. And it was like, this kind of thing has happened to me before. Uh, one time my kid somehow got a hold of my c- cigarettes and just busted them all in half just because she thought that would be fun. But I've never really had a, I don't know, that urge or need. I, I, a lot of times I'll be like smoking would be real nice right now and like when i'm driving my old truck there's just like certain habitual scenarios where i'm like yeah Yeah, you want to or when i'm hanging out with my dad he smokes and so it'll be like oh yeah smoke time it's this the social thing where you it's probably why i was smoking more in colorado is because i had uh a bunch of friends at a old bar man i didn't get into any personal stuff here um old bar (laughs) i used to hang out at and you go inside and chit chat with people inside the bar but all the real life stuff was outside the bar. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. And so you go and talk to someone and you talk about football and you talk about um, politics and you talk about, uh, you know, the jokes and the funny stuff on the inside of the bar. Yeah. And then at night, and we're talking like 1 a.m. kind of stuff. You know? Yeah. It's open late. And what you'd really do is you'd step outside, you'd, then you'd talk to them and it'd be about, you know, I'm having trouble with my girlfriend yeah. or the real shit over a cigarette i'm really worried my it, yeah and it was like my my niece i'm wondering if she's uh they're taking care of her the right it's like really kind of yeah heavy stuff and if you didn't smoke you weren't privy to any of that yep and you couldn't help anyone because you'd just be sitting in the bar and you know it's yeah that's my experience too you kind of have a um a drop of the curtain if you will when it's like out in the smoke circle or oh, it's yeah. like uh Somebody like You're t- points their to head. Strangers, they yeah. like nod toward the door, a little side cock of the head, and they're like cigarette. And what they really mean is like, dude, I need to talk to you, bro on yep. bro. Um, yeah, but I, throughout I, the first time I smoked cigarettes, I was probably like sixteen, and the whole time I've been on and off, and I never really had that uh, big of a trouble getting off. It would just be like, all right, well, I'm not going to buy no more smokes. So I've never really. I guess quit. I never really consider myself like fully quit. Cause I would still smoke if people did the headcock thing and were like, you want a cigarette, you know? And I would always still accept a cigarette in those situations, whether I was quitting or not quitting. But like my first serious girlfriend in college, she was like, well, you have to quit smoking. And so I like really milked it and drew it out and made it like it was this big burden, you know? And was like, uh, I weaned off. I took as long as I could. And, um, you know, I would do that like whole moody thing of like I could get my way because I'm like I'm just trying to quit smoke. But really, I never actually, <laughs> yeah. I never actually experienced that. I was just, I was just kind of milking it for what I could get out of it from her. You know, and I don't know. It's like uh, I don't know what if it's like a a chemical hook that's just not present in in my brain or whatever. But like, if I if I decide nah, I'm not gonna smoke anymore. Nine times out of ten, it's been like a money thing where it's just like, yeah, I really don't need to be blowing money on a a pack. But even at the height of smoking, I'd probably like put down a pack in a week or maybe two packs in a week. That'd be like when I would get like super heavy. Yeah, it's always, for me, it was always 
oh, well, you know, I'm gonna, I don't want to go to work today, but, you know, maybe that's part of the deal is uh, it's going to get me out of bed because, you know, at least I could have a cigarette break sometime. Sure. And, you know, so there's part of that going on. But then the thing is, then I, I gave it up for, uh, for a year and I didn't miss it. So I don't know. Yeah. I think it's COVID. I'm just kind of stuck out here and uh, not a lot to do. There's not a lot of people that, who want to talk to you. Right. And that's the, the little bit of, um, the little bit of uh, socializing that, I, that I've gotten lately was when I started smoking again. Well, I, was, I guess I started for a little bit. If you go to a bar, even during COVID, if you stand outside and smoke and you're talking to people, you just talk to strangers. They'll actually talk back to you. Whereas inside the bar, it does not happen anymore. Or at least it wasn't, you know, in the last year. Hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. It's kind of a... It's kind of a way to, like, buy yourself a conversation, too. It's like, offer somebody a cigarette, you know? And you're just like, hey, you want to smoke? And then they're, like, obligated to stand there at least for that duration of time <laughs> that it takes to finish the cigarette, you know? Yeah. And the thing is, you meet all these crazy people, too. And, you know, that's the part of the draw. It's nothing's about the cigarette. It's not about nicotine right. or smoking. It's yep. all about the social stuff. Like, I was talking, there's a guy from Turkey and he was fighting with his girlfriend in the bar. They're half speaking in Turkish or whatever. And he steps outside. I step outside with him. And he starts talking about what life is like. Just having a cig together. He's talking about what life's like in Turkey. And here's a... What the, what's wrong with his, this policy that they're trying to put in in Paraguay or something? You know, like All these weird <laughs> information yeah. keeps showing up uh, that you get out of meeting strangers. Definitely. And it's like talking to your Uber driver, I guess. Maybe I could just take Ubers instead. And that would... There you go. That's sure my uh, nicotine-free alternative. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what would be your brand of choice on as far as cigarettes go? Um, probably Pall Mall. Or well, I don't know. They're just cheap. Um, American Spirit. Yeah. Black. I do. Uh, the Camel Red filters is just kind of my go-to because you can find them everywhere. <laughs> I do like the Reds, but if I had the choice every time, I would only smoke Dunhill Reds. Hmm. Dunhill's my favorite, and you can't really find them many places. But uh, everything about them, like the box they come in, the taste, the length, everything is just perfect for what I want in a cigarette. Yeah. It's like the quality stuff, you know. It's like when you buy the grass-fed steak, you know. It's like, <laughs> well, this is going to cost extra, but it's going to be worth it on the back end. I was talking with, um, this is Boobs Rolls His Own. Oh, nice. And then uh, there's been a couple people I've met who did that. It's always been more interesting to me. Yeah. But there was one guy, one guy just couldn't, like, he's like, hey, rolling cigarettes, you want one? And he was, like, really bad at it. I said yes, and then he started pulling it out, and he's, the guy just didn't know what he was doing. I'm, I don't, I don't know how to do it either, but I know how to not do it. And that's what he was doing. <laughs> <laughs> he gave me, like, these janky-ass-looking cigarettes. And he's like, yeah, we were outside, like, um, some restaurant i forget where we were it's just chatting chatting with some guy in colorado and we're like sitting outside on the boulders outside of the restaurant smoking these janky ass uh terribly rolled things it was like well yeah i look like a moron now i love rollies there was a period when i was in first in high school or first in college and uh one of my best friends was out from massachusetts and he was a big spliff guy and so that was kind of the first exposure i had to rollies at all because he would always have a pouch of tobacco because, you know, he would just be rolling spliffs. He preferred spliffs. So I had a whole era where I was 
just always rolling my own too. And it'd be like either Top or Bugler because that's where what you could find. And then there's this other brand that I can't uh, I can't really remember. It tastes I never liked it. it tasted awful, but um, it's like uh, one of the ones that's more known. I think it was like uh, I, I want to say some Indian type of name. Um, I'm looking hmm. through and I'm not. Oh wait. That looks like the right bag, but it's like a tiny thumbnail. What the hell? <laughs> oh, the shag, the shag stuff. The shag. You have like uh, Amsterdam shag or uh, Norwegian shag, that kind of stuff. Ugh. I don't know what it was about it. Bali shag. That's what I'm thinking of specifically. Bali shag. Bali shag. <laughs> Woo, that stuff is different. It's like a different animal. It's kind of like got that same harsh tobacco like that that Copenhagen does, you know, <laughs> where it's just like you've got to really be hardcore. Um, and to me, you know, I could do Copenhagen before I can do Bali Shag for some reason. I couldn't. I couldn't tell you why. But yeah, yeah I'm uh I'm looking at the voicemail box. We dry in the voicemails. Oh, I thought I could pull one. That's our early morning. Uh, we've never done a wake and bake session, that's really. That's true. So, <laughs> think that uh, it's got to be late for for the bowlers to be grabbing their phones and stuff. Or maybe people are at work and they're like, "I can't call." I'm at work. Yeah, that's probably it. But it's uh, just uh, normal people uh, have jobs and stuff, you know. That's uh, kind of uh, <laughs> on the wrap end of things. I, I've got a. I've got a uh, closing to get to here pretty soon. Oh, cool! But uh, thanks for hanging out. You, you're a guy I could just yap on forever with, and I know we burn pre-show and post-show material together yeah. all the time <laughs> just because we start talking, and then it's just like, oh yeah, well, this is a thing. This is another thing. Um, but I really appreciate you hanging out with us today, getting to know you a little better on the bulls with buds, and uh, you can come by anytime. Oh sure, Mr. And Abel you Kirby. can you can come by uh, visit sometime. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely make that happen here coming up next month. We'll get to, get to get on the back end and figure the details out. Cool. Um, oh, thanks, thanks for having me. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's a great time. Um, thanks everybody out there listening. And uh, again, you can find this interview and all the other Bulls with Buds episodes at bullswithbuds.com. We'll be back with our uh, regularly scheduled bowl. Next Tuesday, Token Tuesday, at uh, 9 Central, right after DH Unplugged wraps up. Uh, so until then, I'll be Sir Spencer Wolf of Kansas City. I'll be Dame DeLorean. And uh, may your bowls burn ever brighter. Hello? Oh, brother. Bowl after bowl till he's sick. May your bowls burn ever brighter.